You are listening to Riverhouse Church's Sermon of the Week. We hope this talk equips and inspires you. Well, uh, happy Pentecost. Uh, yeah, you should be a little more excited than that, but it's okay. Um, I, I'm gonna, I, I have a, a pretty short message tonight. We're going to have like an anointing service. And just feel like we've been this in the season of prayer. And uh, weeks ago, we felt in the staff meeting that we're just going to create space for the Holy Spirit to move. So I'm honestly, this is a little bit of an uncomfortable night for me, just to be honest with you all. Because uh, whenever I feel like I have to truly let go of control, uh, it's difficult. And just to be honest with you all, this isn't like a sense where I feel like I've been controlling. um, But I've had this longing in my heart. Really, for every day I've ever been in ministry, and I think I've always just wanted to see God move. Like, I've wanted to see his manifest presence. That's what I think about. That's what I dream about. That's what I long for. And, like, I've seen a lot, and we've seen amazing things, but there's always, there's like this deeper yearning in me, particularly as it pertains to just those moments where God is so powerfully tangible that, like, nobody could deny it, you know? And, and I hear these stories of, just all types of different ministries, and, um, and, and I know that there's a greater release, uh, uh, that even we can corporately, a, a greater corporate anointing that we can enter into and in seeing God speak in purity, in, in the fullness of who he is, but uh, the Lord has just shown me, and I've known this for a while, um, that I'm just, I'm, I'm very comfortable preaching. I know that God will speak and move through my preaching because I, I, didn't, I didn't always used to be, but I've grown to that point. And it's almost like I reached this threshold and the Lord's like, yeah, you're really comfortable now where you used to be uncomfortable. And I've taken a lot of risk, even from the pulpit, things uh, and how I've expressed and tried to communicate. But the Lord's like, you're comfortable now. And I'm like, I know. And he's like, so when are you going to create space to just let me be God? And I'm like, I don't know how. And it was like, and honestly, and, you know, and, and, and I'm like, I want to see, you know, different manifestations of your spirit, you know, in purity, pastored well in a community. And the Lord's like, well, you haven't really given me a lot of space. <laughs> You're just preaching the whole time. And, uh, and so it's not that I'm going to, we value the word of God and preaching here, but um, tonight we're going to do it. And I believe that really we're kind of ushering into a season of we need to show in the way that we structure our services that we value the ministry of the Spirit the same way that we value sung worship, the same way that we value the Word of God. Does that make sense? And not just say it, but actually create space for it. And to be honest with you, it terrifies me. When you create space for the move of the Spirit, you're like, you do move through me, right? Like, cause like I can speak and preach and like do something that maybe will be, you know, empowering to people. But like when you're like, I'm just going to create space, I can't do anything. You like following me here? So uh, I'm just being honest with you. Uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 that my message and my preaching were not in, you know, eloquent words of wisdom, but in power and demonstration of the Spirit. The verse that precedes that, he says, I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling. And so uh, I'm, I'm here in weakness tonight. We're going to create a lot of space for the Holy Spirit to move. I'm not going to talk a lot, and I'm also not going to try to manipulate anything to happening. Like, we want authentic purity, uh, pure experiences of the, the Holy Spirit in this church. I don't want emotionalism. I don't want to conjure things up. I want to be God. And I want us, to, and, I, and so I'm just here, like, 
saying, hey, I'm, I'm a 28-year-old pastor, and I know that I'm in a place where I'm trying to be activated and learn ways to steward the presence of God in our community. So um, if I make mistakes, when I do, just give me grace and know that uh, if it's, you know, we're going to learn. But it's going to be a little bit like, you know, when you try to ride a bike, you fall and scrape your knees a few times. So I kind of expecting to scrape my knees, but I long to see God move. And uh, I was listening to a minister uh, recently, and he said, when you're longing to see God move is greater than your fear of failure and looking like a fool, that's when you'll start to see God move. Because, And, uh, and, and it just resonated with me. So we're going to kind of just experiment tonight uh, and, and create space for the Holy Spirit to move. Um, John 14, you can turn your Bibles there. Uh, this is Pentecost Sunday, right? This is 50 days from Easter. And uh, over these 50 days, Jesus is resurrected. He's manifested to his disciples. And uh, he's, uh, you know, there, and when we get to the day of Pentecost, we find that the church is tearing together in prayer. They're waiting upon the Lord in prayer to be clothed with power from on high, is how Jesus words it. And uh, Jesus is, you know, Pentecost is in some ways, I believe, like the pinnacle of Jesus's earthly ministry. He was actually preparing the disciples to, to be able to receive the Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And John 14, this is kind of Jesus's last real meat uh, that he gives his disciples before he leaves as far as preaching messages. And he says in verse 2, uh, he starts quoting some words that we hear a lot, and I think we kind of have a misconception because we've mixed these verses with the American dream. So we've thought that Jesus is telling us he's going to give us a mansion. Uh, I don't think that's what he's saying, but he does say, In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way where I'm going. Thomas says to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How do we know the way? And Jesus says to him, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. So I believe Jesus has, he's not talking about a house. I remember, you know, not to call you out, Mom, but she used to tell us when we were kids, she'd be like, Guys, Jesus is up in heaven, and he's just working on this house. And one, it's, it's a really big house. So it's been taking a long time. But he's making it. You're going to have your own room in this thing. And it was like, I just always remember being puzzled. Like, man, how long is it going to take him to finish this thing? You know, like, I just don't, you know. So anyways, uh, a dwelling place. He's not talking about a physical house. He's talking about a dwelling place. And Jesus says, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. I'm going to go, and, and there's a dwelling place so that where I am, you may be also. Where was Jesus? Always. He was abiding in the Father. And how was he abiding in the Father? It was through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. Right? Look for the one on whom the Spirit descends and dwells and remains so Jesus is saying nothing about a physical dwelling he's saying I'm going to shed my blood to go to the heavenly holy of holies to make a way for you to come into the presence of God so that where I dwell you may dwell and through the bond of the spirit of God you can become a dwelling place of the most high a holy of holies a temple through which the spirit of God rests and dwells within 
He's saying, I'm going to make a way for you to become like me, a dwelling place that walks on earth, right? a living, moving human being, a, a temple. Like, it's, like a, it's like a fulfillment of Ezekiel's vision where he saw, you know, he's, he's mourning in exile in, Israel, in, in Babylon, but he sees this vision of the temple and it actually is moving and all these wheels that you can't understand which way they're turning and stuff and eyes and eyes and eyes, whatever, but it, it, it's coming to him in Babylon. And now God say, no, I'm doing one better. I've made you dwelling places through which my spirit can abide and dwell within so that you can be one with the father. He says later in John 14, I won't leave you as orphans. I'm going to send you my spirit so that I can bring you to the Father. Right? As Jesus says, the purpose of his ministry right, is to, give, to make us dwelling places that the Holy Spirit can dwell within. Now we're at the day of Pentecost. Right? And the question that I don't like, that I know many of us have heard or asked before, is like, hey, are you filled with the Spirit? Right? I have people have said, hey, you need to change your lingo on Google because I Googled spirit-filled churches and Riverhouse didn't come up. And I was like, we will never put that in our lingo because to say that we're a spirit-filled church is implying there's not spirit-filled churches. And that is just doesn't make sense if you read the God, what salvation is. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit on the day of your salvation. You, the, the, the work of salvation is a work of the Holy Spirit. Right? So everybody has the Holy Spirit. The question is, are, is not are you spirit-filled or not. That's like saying, hey, you know, is your car, is, is your car filled with gas? It's like, oh, no, when I bought it, it had a full tank. It's like, yeah, but is it fill of gas right now. It's like, well, no, when I bought it, I had this experience like four months ago. I, it was full of gasoline. It's like, yeah, but, but what about right now? Are you filled? With, like, the question is, are you being filled with the Spirit? Like, how much of the Spirit do you have? I guess what I'm trying to say here is we look at Spirit-filled as if it was this one-time experience. You either have it or you don't. That's not what the Scripture shows us. Acts 2, right, like a mighty rushing wind, the Spirit comes. They get filled with the Spirit. They begin to speak in tongues. God begins to move, and there's this manifestation of the Spirit, but the church is filled with the Spirit. Two chapters later, okay, two chapters later, say two. That's not very much, right? So we're not, we're not talking about a whole lot of time later. The church is getting perse persecuted. The Jews aren't happy with what they're doing. They get told not to stop talking about Jesus. They pray again in Acts chapter 4, verse 29. They say, now, Lord, take note of their threats and grant that your bond, ser your bond servants may speak your word with all confidence while you extend your hand to heal with signs and wonders taking place to the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they prayed... The place where they had gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with all boldness. Same people, two chapters later, filled with the Spirit. So maybe the question isn't, are you filled with the Spirit? It's, are you still full of the Spirit? Are you being filled with the Spirit? And I believe God's looking for people that are, right, dwelling places aren't visitational spaces where God comes every once in a while. Right? The, the Holy of Holies in Israel wasn't a place that they're like, hey, I wonder if God's there today. It's Tuesday. You think he's there? He's only there on Sundays. No. They wouldn't even go in there because they knew they'd get struck dead because of the fear of the Lord that was around that place. It was the Holy of Holies, the manifest dwelling presence of God. What did Jesus say? I go to prepare a place for you to be a dwelling place. 
In Isaiah 6, Isaiah sees a vision of the throne of God. And he says, the train of his robe was filling the temple. That word filling, if you just do a little study, you can go Google it afterwards or Blue Letter Bible, one of these things. You don't need, you don't need all the software. The word is, it was filled and being filled. The train of his robe was, the glory of God was, it had filled and it was continuing to fill the temple. There's this ongoing filling of the Spirit of God. Right? And now we're the dwelling places. In the church, we see they were filled in Acts 2. They were filled in Acts 4. Right? This is our portion and our inheritance as the church. Right? This is really significant. If you're in Acts, you can scroll a few chapters over, and we'll look at Acts chapter, Acts, Acts chapter 11. And uh, it's the church of Antioch. And Stephen has been martyred, and the persecution has spread people out of Jerusalem to the other parts of Asia. And in Antioch, uh, we read here, uh, in, starting in verse 19, that those who were scattered because of the persecution that occurred made their way to Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews alone. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began to speak to the Greeks also, preaching the Lord Jesus. The hand of the Lord was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. The news about them reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas off to Antioch. Then he arrived and witnessed the grace of God. Say that, witnessed the grace of God. Barnabas witnessed the grace of God. Right, so what is this telling us, right? People we don't even know, we don't even know their names. This isn't Peter and James and John and all the, the amazing anointed apostles. Okay. Some, some, some followers of the way went to Antioch, started preaching the gospel. God started moving powerfully, so much so that they heard about in Jerusalem, sent Barnabas. Barnabas got there and he witnessed the grace of God. Right? What is that telling us? Right? Grace, charis. Right? The, the, the manifest, right? Grace isn't just undeserved favor. It's also the empowering presence of God, right? He's witnessing the anointing of the Holy Spirit manifesting through these normal believers in such a way that it was turning the, church, the world upside down in Antioch. And he witnessed it. There was a manifest presence of God upon these ordinary believers so much so that Barnabas witnessed it. What am I getting at here? A few verses later, it says, and this was the first time they were called Christians. What does Christians mean? We've lost the wonder of our name. We say, oh, I'm, are you Christian? Yeah, I'm Christian. Why are you Christian? Oh, you know, I believe it. No, it wasn't because we believed in Jesus that we were called Christians. It wasn't because we were good morals that we were called Christians. That's not what we got our name from. We got our name because people witnessed the manifest presence of God, the grace of God, the anointing of the Holy Spirit manifesting through them in such a way they say, wow, they're kind of like the Christ. They're little anointed ones. That's our name. <laughs> that is our name. Little anointed ones. What does the anointing do? Right, it manifests and it transforms and it heals and it prophesies and it delivers and it, right, it manifests so much so that when you come from the outside, you can witness it. That's what I long. I long to be a church of Christians. 
<laughs> God's not looking for special people. He's just looking for available people that will create space. We don't have to conjure and hype this up. This is our inheritance and our birthright. It is our name. Anointed ones. So this is what we're going to do tonight. Luke 11, preached on this a couple weeks ago, but this is the last, last section on the prayer. Luke 11, 11. Now suppose one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he's asked for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? That's the promise of Scripture. Galatians 3, Paul says, I just need to know this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? We're not going to work for it. We're going to ask for it in faith, knowing that it's the gift that God desires to give. And we're going to ask that he, that he fills us tonight. And in honor of the work he did on Pentecost, we're just going to create space. And this does make me uncomfortable, um, truly. <laughs> I wish I could just receive up there, out there. Um, but I know I'm where I'm supposed to be, and I know you're where you're supposed to be, and, and, and God's going to move. And this is what we're going to do. Um, we're going we're gonna, to, I have a, a team of just uh, some leaders in the church. We have anointing oil. And uh, we're going to just create um, space. We're going to spend about five, ten minutes and just allow anyone that desires it to be anointed. They're going to take the oil, put it on your forehead, anoint you in Jesus' name. It's going to be a very quick prayer, like five, ten seconds tops. And the reason we do this throughout Scripture is the anointing with oil is symbolic of the anointing of the Spirit coming upon someone. So when Samuel goes to anoint David, he sees that the Spirit of God has anointed David as prophet, as a king. And then Samuel does the, pours the oil on him as a symbol of the anointing that he'd received in the Lord. So there's something about, um, it's just, it's a prophetic act would be what it's called. And it's something that releases grace. It's like when we um, raise our hands in worship, right? So it, it's not weird. It's very scriptural. Um, Peter, on the day of Pentecost, he is defining for people what's happening as he sees the Spirit falling on the church. And he, he quotes the prophecies of Joel, which say it's the last days when the Spirit's going to be poured out on all flesh, the sons and the daughters, the old and the young, the, even the servants, on all flesh the Spirit will come, which was a radical idea because he was saying it's no longer just the priests and the prophets and the kings that can receive the anointing. It's, it's everyone. And so in light of that, we're just going to have a time of anointing as a symbolic representation of the age of the church that we have been ushered into as of the day of Pentecost that hasn't changed. We're living in the last days where the Spirit is available to all flesh, to any that desire Him. So we're going to anoint, and then what I'm going to ask everyone to do, so you're going to receive anointing, and, and the, um, I'm going to have the worship team just playing during that time, but, and then I'm going to ask you to just go back to your seat and sit down and just begin waiting on the Lord. And um, as everyone's finished, the team's going to even die down because we really want to create a safe space and we want to pastor the space. And I would rather, we may close with worship in this time, but I, I don't want, 
I don't want to use worship to try to, con- to usher up and stir up an experience with the Holy Spirit. We're just going to wait on him, and it's going to be silent, and it may feel uncomfortable. It may feel awkward for you and for me because we're Americans. We're like, hey, we should have a plan, right? Like how many minutes are left on that clock back there? Um, truly, we're just creating space, and if nothing happens, um, Lulu's Pizza is really good next door. <laughs> And we can go bless them with some business or something, you know. Um, But truly, if something does happen, then our hearts come alive. And it's worth the risk. So um, that's what we're going to do. I just want to say a few things before we move into it. And that is this. Um, We are all wired differently. And some of us are more cerebral. Some of us are more emotional. Some of us are very connected to our bodies, just generally speaking. Right? That's just like we have different inclinations. And so I say this to say is that this is not a space of comparison. This is not a space to say, well, am I doing what they're doing or are they doing what I'm doing and I think that's weird and they think I'm weird? Like that's not what this is. All right, Some of us, when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, it's more of an intellectual experience. Uh, verses come. Scripture, like I've heard amazing things. Right? But it's, it's through the mind. Some of us, we begin to cry. Some of us begin to laugh. It's more of an emotional response. Some of us will begin to shake. Sometimes people will fall over. No experience is better or worse, and no experience is inherently good. The only thing that makes it good is if you're having something authentic between your heart and the Holy Spirit of heaven that wants to minister to you. So I say this to say is that you have permission to experience and, and let yourself experience God in this space, but you do not have any pressure to make it anything that it needs to be. Um, for some of you, joy may just spring up through you, and the most worshipful, natural response to that would be to laugh. In his presence is fullness of joy. Some of you are going to experience overwhelming peace. Some of you may find yourself weeping. Some of you may find, it, it, some, it does not matter. But you have permission to, have, to let the, the king of heaven, the spirit of God who loves you and formed you, come and awaken and minister to your heart tonight. This doesn't mean it's a special experience. This is an ongoing. But tonight, as a church, we're creating a space for him to manifest and increase in this room upon his church. Amen? So you're going to get prayer. You're going to get anointing. I'm going to ask you to go back to your seat, and we're just going to tarry on the Lord. Um, I may pray a little bit as we're waiting, and if you sense the Spirit um, moving upon you um, in, 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 a, in, in a particular way, um, just, just keep allowing Him. I don't want it to be where we're striving and crying out. I want it to be a gift that we're receiving. So we're going to receive, and then um, there may be certain individuals or groups that um, the Lord may highlight, and then the ministry team's going to be forward, and you know it may be like, hey... Um, you know, some of you are experiencing joy. We want you to come forward. Like the Lord just may speak. So we're just going to create space. We're going to see how it goes. Amen. All right. So, uh, worship team is going to come up and, uh, let's just start by saying, Jesus, we just make space for you to send your spirit into your church again. Lord, we thank you for what you did on Pentecost and it wasn't just a one-time event, but it was, uh, uh, a whole new way of living life that you invited us into, that you made us your dwelling place. And we get to enjoy the benefit of our birthright as your anointed church tonight, God, as your anointed people, as your Christians. And we want more of you, God. 
We just long to see you move in any way, in every way, just anything that's in your heart. We just long to see you move. And we're all here waiting upon you in Jesus' name. So if you're on the ministry team, you can come forward. And uh, if you guys can just do your best to spread out, and even maybe on this wall. And you're, uh, yeah, you're just welcome to come and receive anointing. You don't need to. There's no pressure. You would not like it. But we would love you if you would. So you can just come forward and, and receive the anointing oil.
Thanks for listening to the Riverhouse podcast. For more information, visit riverhouseministries.com.